Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 34 of Revelation chapter 11. We're going to be reading verses 16 through the end of the chapter. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and has reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was open in heaven, and there were seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. And I'll stop reading there. Now, we've um, been going verse by verse through the book of Revelation, and we're progressing through Revelation chapter 11, and uh, we've reached the point of the, the sounding of the seventh angel, the last trumpet. This is Judgment Day. Actually, trumpets 5, 6, and 7 are the three woes and... Each trumpet identifies with Judgment Day. It's just looking at it from uh, different perspectives as God gives us different information with each of the trumpet blasts. Well, here we saw that all the kingdoms of the world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And, and that is a glorious truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is now reigning supreme as King of kings and Lord of lords. Well, in verse 16 of Revelation 11, it says, And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats. That's twenty-four elders, and they're, they're mentioned several times in the book of Revelation. The number twenty-four um, comes from... Twelve tribes of Israel and twelve apostles of the Lamb. The twelve tribes of Israel representing the Old Testament saints of God. The twelve apostles representing the New Testament saints of God. And the number twelve um, spiritually points to fullness. So this is indicating the fullness of those that God has saved. And notice that they are seated before God. They sat before God on their seats. And uh, this is so because of what we read in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And the previous verse mentions by grace you are saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together 
in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. And that's exactly what um, is in view with these 24 elders who sat before God on their seats. It, it can only be in Christ. That's the only way we have any uh, entry at all, even in into the kingdom of God, let alone to sit uh, in, in the very presence of God in his throne room. And it's not um, as though these these 24 elders who represent all of God's elect, the fullness of God's elect, it's not as if uh they're they're just um hanging around and and um they they have no function no role no uh they are reigning with Christ with God they are kings with him when God saves us and raises us up at the the point of salvation to be seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus where we're therefore at the right hand of God, because that's where Jesus is, that is really language indicating we have become a part of the royal family of God. At that time, we have spiritually become a prophet, a priest, yes, but also a king. A king that rules that reigns with Christ. And that's why here in verse 16, it says they sat before God on their seats. In the Bible, to sit points to ruling. When we read in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that the man of sin takes his seat in the temple, that indicates he will be ruling in the church. And, and that's exactly what Satan did during the 23-year Great Tribulation period. He ruled over the congregations. And and so uh, it's the same idea here. The 24 elders sat before God on their seats. They're ruling before God. Not that they're ruling over God, but God is the supreme ruler, and he has his people roundabout uh, the throne. We've read elsewhere in Revelation. And they are carrying out his purposes, his will, his functions for them. And and they are uh, ruling with him in perfect agreement with the will of God. And in verse 16 again, the 24 elders which sat before God on their seats... The Greek word translated as seats is thronos, thronos. And you can almost hear our English word throne. And um, that word thronos is translated in some other places as throne. The 24 elders are sitting upon their thrones. They, they are kings. They, they are ruling, um, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, remember, it, th- that's what God said uh, in Matthew 25 in, in the parable that he gave where he spoke of talents in Matthew chapter uh, 25 
It, it says in verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Well, to get to the point of this, the Lord who gave them the talents comes and reckons with each servant. What did you do with the talents that I gave you? And the one given five, it says in verse 20 of Matthew 25, And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And then following this, the man with two talents comes, and it's the same story. He also made two talents more and was made ruler uh, over many things and, and entered into the joy of his Lord. That is language pointing to salvation. But God wants us to know that when he saves a person, when he uh, redeems a sinner, and when he creates a new spirit, a new heart, and makes that individual a new creature in his sight, that when that redeemed child of God has completed his work, the task that God has given him on earth, and enters into heaven, that he will be a ruler over many things. Um, now here God doesn't say what those many things are. He just says, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now we can speculate a little. We, we can't say this definitely because uh, God doesn't write about this, but we do know that God is eternal God that he has always been from everlasting past, God has been. He is a God who has no beginning. Uh, And that means that um, you and I, if you wanted to do uh, a mind exercise, you could just imagine going before this world was created and entering into eternity and then um, once you're into eternity, let your mind travel backwards. Uh, you can't say into time, but back into eternity past and, and just keep going and keep going. And, and whenever you feel like stopping, just remind yourself this is eternal God and he has no beginning. So keep going. And 
what what you end up doing is going forevermore. Just like if we turn our attention to the future, and when this world is finished, and, and the children of God all enter into eternity future, and we begin to um, travel with God into this glorious eternal future where God is is with his people and he has given us new resurrected bodies and and he he has done everything that he promised to do in his word and so forth well how long will that eternal future continue and the answer is uh, it it will always continue you can never reach the end of eternity future that's why the idea of eternal life is super wonderful super glorious super magnificent because we are given life forevermore not uh, 10,000 years if time could be reckoned but uh, not even a million years but on and on and on we live because God lives. He He is the great I Am, the ever-existent One. He has always been and always will be and is. And, and, and so when we realize that, or when we comprehend as much of that as our little uh, finite minds are capable of comprehending, when, when we grasp just the maybe the tail portion of that um, tremendous truth that God is this eternal being who inhabits the whole spectrum of existence called eternity. And then when we think that before this world, before this creation, which is one creation, it, it's a vast universe, and yes, there's many worlds uh, many stars, many galaxies, but it's all one creation. God simply spoke and created everything that is in this realm. Everything on earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything that a telescope, the greatest of telescopes uh, uh, with the highest magnification possible could ever possibly see and and of course we've never reached the limits of this creation well yet this is still one creation that god has created man as um the supreme creature to rule over all he gave us dominion over all things in this world when he first created us in his image and in his likeness. And as far as we know, there are no other creatures created in the image and likeness of God. And of course, obviously, not in this creation. But the interesting thing is that God speaks of putting this creation on display to principalities and powers that and and when we um, just consider and 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 think uh, about the person of God and his nature 
And, and some of the things the Bible tells us, number one, he is an eternal being who has always been. And secondly, that he abhors idleness. God is not lazy. God uh, commands man to work. God tells us to be busy, to um, to work with our hands, to get our own bread, and and so forth. And God has placed Himself under His own law. That means that God cannot tell mankind you're not to be idle, you're you're not to lounge around, you're not to uh, goof off and and do no work. You are to work, and then He Himself not observe that commandment and and not place his name under his law, as that uh, good psalm tells us that God does. He has magnified, uh, well, let me read it, just to uh, be sure that I quote it correctly. In Psalm 138, it says in verse 2, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. So the the word of God, which is the law of God, is not something that God uh would dismiss or ignore or uh or or say, well that doesn't apply to me. He has magnified his word, his law above all his name, all thy name. And and so God has submitted himself to his own law. We we see a perfect example of this with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ came to fulfill all righteousness. And again and again that he he spoke of the scriptures being fulfilled. He came and humbled himself, which meant that he magnified the word, the law of God above his glorious name. He was subservient. He submitted himself to the will of God. And how do we know the will of God? Well, it's written in the Bible. And the the law of God speaks of work. Six days thou shalt work. When God created the world, he worked for six days. And then the Bible says he rested the seventh day. And what was God's work? God's work was creating. He created the earth, and and then we read he he uh, created the creatures. He created man. He created the sun, the moon, the stars, and and this was the work of God. Well, uh, putting together these biblical principles that God is eternal, that God is under his own law, and his law requires work. Uh, um, God certainly was not idle from eternity past until he created the world. Just uh, going about uh, doing nothing. No, God was working before creating this world. What was God working at? Creation is the work of God. So in all likelihood, God from eternity past, 
and we can't begin to fathom how far and long um, the the depths of that actually is. But God, from that that deep, vast eternity past, has always had the the tremendous power and the ability to create. And, and therefore he has been busy occupying, working in creating more than likely many creations. Many creations separate, distinct from this creation. It, it's not like they're aliens or something as, as some think that there's life out there. They mean in, in space, in, in this universe or in this uh, galaxy that could potentially reach us or we could potentially reach them. It's interesting. They sort of have the right idea, but they have the wrong creation. No, there's no life out there in deep space in this universe that's part of this creation, but there is life in, in all probability in other creations, creations that cannot uh, enter into this creation, and we cannot enter into those creations at this time, but worlds, creations that God rules over, that God is the creator of, all good, all perfect, and all creatures that were designed and suited for those particular creations. Uh, They would be uh, completely different than creatures that were created and designed for this world and this creation. And uh, we're amazed, and and it's just incredible when we look at this creation and we see the the, the varied uh, creatures, the, from the dog and the cat to the mosquito and the fly and the elephant and the giraffe and the sea creatures and the birds that fly in the air and 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 then the of course man uh, who is created in the image of God ruling over all these creatures and 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 then there's even creatures that are microscopic they're they're so small so tiny we can't see them unless we have a microscope and It's just an incredible display in this one creation of the glorious creative power of Almighty God, the omnipotent creator. He, He just simply speaks. He didn't break a sweat. He didn't have to do... Uh, very uh, much work from our perspective anyway, as we consider it. He speaks a word, and there it is. So what would prevent God from all eternity past, as he has been actively working in accord with his own law, and the work of God is to create? What would stop God from speaking and creating a world over there? And he could do it in six days. He could do it in six minutes. And then over here, another creation. And over there, another creation. And and God is glorified by each one in certain ways. And he sets up principalities and powers 
in these creations, of course, all uh, eternity past led to the point when the Lord Jesus Christ from the foundation of this world died as the Lamb and died for a people, a creature, a special creature, unlike anything God had ever created. And he had created untold numbers, trillions upon trillions upon trillions, when all these uh, different worlds or creations are are considered. And God, uh, of course, uh, in his uh, ultimate wisdom, according to his perfect timing, God decided to make a special creature called man. And, and then God knew that man would fall into sin and all the things that would result uh, because of man's disobedience. And so the Lord decided and determined and knew all these things in advance to put on display in this world to all those principalities and powers a, a display of his wonderful attributes, his love and his grace and his mercy and his glory and his honor and his justice and and all these things and many more were demonstrated by permitting or or uh, allowing mankind to fall into sin in order to work out a salvation plan to redeem a people for himself and and so first of all mankind created in his image is a unique, special creature, unlike any other creature ever created by God. But then, after man's fall into sin, and God determined to redeem a portion of the whole out of mankind, a remnant, which uh, very likely numbers 200 million, and, and to make them his people not only his people, not only creatures, but to bring them into the royal family, to make them kings and princes, to make them sons and daughters, to make them of the family of God, and and to give them rule, to give them rule. You're over ten cities, you're over five cities or two cities, and each one his son, each one a trusted son. You know, in the Old Testament, um, we we read of kings, and when they conquered other nations, those nations became provinces. And it was a custom for a king to set up under rulers in those provinces. And who would the king set up? Well, if he had many sons, he would set up his sons to rule over that land in the south and to rule over that land in the east because there was no one he trusted more than his own sons to rule and to do so uh, faithfully to him. He didn't have to worry about rebellion. And in a way, that's exactly what God has done. God has created untold numbers of creations 
and they have principalities and powers. But, and again, this is speculation. There is a good possibility that it's God's plan to set up his people, his, uh, his children, his sons, who are kings reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ, to rule over these cities or these creations that God has been so busy about from all eternity past. Here, you rule over that creation, uh, my son, and you rule over this creation, my son, and you over here. Now, is it possible God has 200 million creations? Um, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, God is an incredibly powerful God. And, and so, uh, well, we'll, we'll have to talk about this, uh, a little bit more in our next study where these 24 elders seated upon thrones before God fall down upon their faces. There's no pride. There's no arrogance. There's no thinking they're anybody. They still, while seated in glory in Christ Jesus, are humbled before God. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.